Good morning, friends, and welcome to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn Siepert. It's amazing, amazing, amazing to have you here today. This is episode number seven. Um, It's another audio version of a blog post, so uh, if this is your first time dropping by, welcome. There's a couple things that we do here on the podcast. Uh, The first is every week there is a blog post up at whatifproject.net. And then here at the podcast, we kind of talk through it in case you don't have time to read it. And then the other thing is, every once in a while, uh, this fall, there are interviews that I put up. So back in September, I interviewed Dr. Phil Snyder. We talked about LGBTQ um, rights. And then next week, I actually have another interview going up, and I'm I'm really excited about this one. Um, it's somebody who um, I've only recently come across, one of my new favorite um, writers, thinkers, teachers, Um, So it's going to be a good one. Uh, Definitely tune in for that. And then in 2019, uh, they're going to be an interview every month. So I have a lineup of 12 people who are going to be coming onto the podcast to talk to us a little bit about the Bible, uh, ministry, and what it looks like to think about all of those things uh, differently than we typically do. So uh, I'm really excited about that. Um, But... All that to say, this is episode number seven, and uh, also I should say, if if this is your first time uh, dropping by, head over to whatifproject.net, maybe even pause this, and go over there, click on about, go to the about section, uh, that'll tell you a little bit about what the project is, or if you're feeling adventurous, uh, just listen to this podcast episode, and then head over there later and uh, check it out. So, episode seven, and uh, I'm calling it... Go chuck a pig into the sea. Go chuck a pig into the sea. So we're making our way through the book of Mark right now on the podcast. And uh, we're in Mark chapter 5 right now. And this is a weird story, a really weird story. And uh, I'm going to talk to you about the story. I want to give you some details surrounding the story. And uh, we might kind of get to the, you know, like halfway through this thing, and you're going to be like, what is this guy even talking about? But I promise you, just stick with me because I want to, I want to go through some details early on and then uh, tie it all together at the end. And I think uh, this is going to be really, really helpful um, for, for you. So Mark says that Jesus and his disciples crossed the Sea of Galilee and landed in a place called uh, Gerasons. And that is how you say the name of the place, actually, because I looked it up on um, uh, Google and because I wasn't 100% sure how to say it. And I had a few different commentaries, and they all had different pronunciations in there. So I'm like, that's weird. So I went to Google, and I typed it in, and I went to the little like microphone thing where it like speaks it to you. And uh, it's Jerison. So I'm going with Google. I'm trusting that Google has this one nailed down. Anyway, so they land in this place called Jerison's. And uh, immediately they encounter this guy who is being pestered by some kind of evil spirit. Uh, The man, says Mark, lived in the tombs. Uh, Obviously, all the dead people were buried there. And he was so strong that no one could bind him, Mark says, not even with a chain. And that's weird. But just what do you think? Like, it can't get any weirder. Mark apparently thinks that this piece about the tombs and the chains is, like, really, really important because he kind of slows down the story and goes into great detail to tell us that no one could bind the man. Chains wouldn't even work. Uh, he had been chained hand and foot 
but he was so strong that he tore the chains apart. Now, we'll talk more about that stuff later because that has something to do with something else I think that Mark is alluding to. But then he says that night and day, the guy would be among the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. Like, this is... This is a weird story, right? Suddenly, though, Mark says that the guy saw Jesus from a distance. So Jesus gets out of the boat. He's walking across the land, and the guy sees Jesus. And he yells out, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to me that you won't torture me. What is going on right now, right? So then Jesus, he realizes it's an evil spirit, and he asks the evil spirit its name. To which it responded, my name is Legion, for we are many. And then he begged Jesus again, not to torture him, but to instead send him and his legion buddies into a nearby herd of pigs. Jesus graciously obliges, which is also weird, right? Because the demon's like, please don't torture me. Send me to those pigs. And Jesus is like, okay. And then the pigs, and Mark says there's about 2,000 of them, rush over a bank into the lake, and they drown. Weird story. Okay, no. Okay. I got to make a few observations. Now, again, these observations, you're going to be like, what is this guy talking about? Why are these important? Okay, just stick with me. Okay, a few observations. Number one, Mark is writing to Jewish Christians. Jewish Christians. That's Mark's audience. Okay, now remember, all the way back to our second blog post, and um, if you this is your first time dropping by, um, you can go listen to that later. And go read the blog post. That's cool. Um, all the way back to our second blog post. These Jewish Christians were living in uh, Rome in the wake of Emperor Nero's genocide against the uh, Jewish Christian community. The city had been burnt to the ground. Rumor was that Nero had started the fire. And so to save himself and save face, he pinned the blame on the Jews. And then the Jews... Uh, put the blame on a small sect of Jews known as the Jewish Christians. But the story is taking place in a non-Jewish territory. Again, so the audience is Jewish Christians, and they're reading this story or listening to this story, and the story is taking place in non-Jewish territory. How do we know? Well, there's pigs in the story. Uh, To the Jews, pigs were like the dirtiest of the unclean animals. Uh, No other animal is more dirty, more unedible, more disgusting, more off-limits than pigs. And no serious Jew in their right mind is going to be caught in this place called Jerusalem, anywhere near a pig, much less a herd of 2,000 pigs. And so this piece about the pigs is kind of a hint from Mark that Jesus and his disciples have made their way into Gentile, non-Jewish territory. So again, Mark is writing to Jews. But the story of the, about this man and the demons in the tombs and cutting himself with stones, all that stuff is taking place in non-Jewish territory. Okay, second observation. To the Jews, uh, the man in the story is as unclean as the herd of pigs that the demons end up jumping into. Why? Why is this man unclean? Because not only was he filled with a great many demons, not only was his body like oozing with bloody sores from the rocks that he cut himself with, but he was living in a graveyard, right? And to the Jews, the only thing more unclean than a pig or a bloody sore or a demonized person was a dead body. And so Mark wants us to know that the guy who is the focal point of our story is like the dirtiest 
of the unclean, living in the dirtiest of unclean places, and that no Jew in their right mind would have dared step foot into this region of, of Gerasons. But Jesus does, right? I think that's an interesting side note because Jesus is always going to the places and going to the people that the church says to stay away from. He did it then. He does it today. Observation number three. Mark is using lots of military terms in the story. Military terms. Why? Well, because he's telling the story not simply to give us an interesting memory from the life of Jesus, but he's writing to his Jewish Christian readers, right, who have just lost a large part of their community to the Nero genocide. They've just been left to wonder where their Savior is. Uh, they find their throats under the foot of the Roman Empire. He's running to remind them that God is still working. Even though they feel beat down, destroyed by the militant Roman Empire, God is still working. Now, here's a, a quick breakdown of the military, military terms in the story. And again, this is going to sound like a lot of weird facts. You're like, what is this guy talking about? Hang with me. We're almost there. Okay. For starters, the demon said that his name was Legion, for there were many demons in the man. Legion was a term used in reference to um, a division of Roman soldiers. Next, Mark says that there was a herd of pigs, that it was around 2,000. Herd was a term used to refer to uh, Roman recruits. And uh, interestingly, some scholars say that the term herd uh, was not even used in reference to pigs. So Mark kind of adopts that term, adopts this military term, and grafts it into his story to refer to the pigs. But herd was a, a term used to refer to Roman uh, recruits, people who are being recruited to be soldiers. Mark then says that Jesus dismissed the legion of demons uh, into the pigs. And that was actually a term that was a, a military command. Uh, generals or commanders would use that term to uh, dismiss their legion, to dismiss their recruits, to dismiss their armies at the end of a um, day or the end of a war, uh, a battle, whatever. Uh, Mark then says the pigs charged off the bank and into the sea. Again, a term that was used to describe an army or a legion uh, rushing or charging into battle. And then we have all this stuff about the chains, right? Not being able to bind the man. This isn't so much a military thing, but it's, it's important anyway. Um, they said that the, the chains could not bind the man because of the legion of demons. The legion was so strong that it was possessing this man. The Roman Empire was known as the military powerhouse of the day. And it was so strong, people said that no one could bind it, right? No one could take it down. So this legion of demons that Mark describes, I think it's not just an illustration of a Roman army, um, but the entire Roman empire. Interesting. Lastly, he says that when the pigs rushed off the bank, they sunk into the sea, which brings back illusions of Pharaoh's army in the book of Exodus, uh, sinking into the Romans, the, I'm sorry, the Red Sea, after God parted the waters uh, for the Israelites to pass through. And then, here's just a, a side note, the sea for the Jews, the water, uh, the sea or the ocean, represented a dark and dreary place. In fact, it was known as the, the place of, of monsters. Right? The Sea of Galilee was a, a giant lake, and uh, water, large bodies of water were places of chaos, and they thought of this place as the place of the monsters. And they believed that it was the dwelling place of evil, in a place of just utter chaos. Now, now that's a lot to know. Okay, I know. Uh, the fact that the story takes place in Gentile territory, 
It's being written to not, or sorry, being written to Jewish Christians. Uh, the fact that the man in the story would have been considered by the Jewish readers to be unclean. The fact that Mark uses a mountain of military terms. The sea is a place of chaos. That's just a whole lot of different um, facts. Um, but these insights can give us fresh perspective, I think, on what Mark was telling his readers. Because although you and I might not be aware of it, these first century Jews who were living in Rome uh, would have picked up on this language like immediately. You see, Mark was telling them that although the foot of the empire was pressed tightly on their throats, and even though Nero had just had their families, men, women, children, in many cases brutally murdered, even though it seemed like hope was lost, it wasn't. Why? Because even though they might have felt like the man in the story, controlled by the legion, right, dominated by the Roman Empire, cut to pieces, um, left for dead in a graveyard with their dead family and friends, unclean, dirty, unworthy, alone, hated, abandoned, even though they might have felt like that guy, Jesus is greater. And just as he did for the man in the graveyard, so he would do for them, he would step into their situation, just as he stepped into Jerison's, cast off the dominance of the Roman Empire, and dismiss that unclean herd of pigs into the sea, the place where all beasts and monsters go to die. That right there is a message that Mark would have been getting across to his readers by including and crafting this story in the way that he did. Okay, now let's bring that, let's drag that forward into the year 2018. Uh, because we could easily use this story to encourage us today, right? Like we could talk about the Roman empires of our lives and, you know, the places where we feel chased down and overwhelmed. And, you know, we could talk about how those things won't have the last word because Jesus is greater. It feels like all hope is lost and it's not. And hey, that would be a great application. We could do that. But I wonder. What if this story can challenge us today even more than it can encourage us? Because look, we live in a time and in a place where the empires of the world, whether those empires be governments, churches, some other kind of system, they're like pressing their boot tight against the throat of many different people groups. Like there are places in the world where people have no water today. You know, there's churches in your neighborhood that refuse to welcome the LGBTQ community. Like, they are just not welcome in the church. There are likely people living on the streets, somewhere in driving distance of your house. All the while, rich and wealthy politicians go to sleep in mansions and line their pockets. Right? There's always a threat of war and bloodshed somewhere on the planet. We live in a world where exclusion is common, Basic human needs go unmet, and violence is often more was more often than not the norm. All of these things were true in the Roman Empire. I mean, we might not have soldiers running through the streets with swords like the Jewish Christians of Rome had to worry about, but we do have the spirit of the empire slicing its way through our streets, our cities, our communities, our home, trying to wreak havoc in the before-mentioned and many other ways. And so with all that in mind, what if Jesus has called you to be the voice that casts the legion, the empire, the dominance um, into the sea? Follow me here. 
what if Jesus has called you to be the answer to the prayers that the people who are feeling pressed on and alone and misunderstood and cast out have been praying? What if Jesus has called you to be the one who will help get water to people who don't have any? What if Jesus has called you to be the one who stands up to the empire, to speak in front of your local government on behalf of the poor, or to approach the church elders on behalf of the LGBTQ community and tell them how ridiculous it is that we don't let those people in our doors? What if Jesus has called you to be the hand that reaches out and helps the homeless near you? What if Jesus has called you to be the one who starts a blog or stand, starts a, a project of some sort that will um, speak to the injustice that keeps you awake at night? How might you be able to cast the spirit of the empire out of your circle, out of your community, out of your world, out of, out of your part of the world? What can you do this week or this month or this year to be a voice for those who feel like they've lost theirs? For those who feel like they're roaming uh, lifelessly and hopelessly around a graveyard with little or no control over their next move because they are so pressed on by some other kind of power that they feel powerless over. What will you do in this next season of your life to cast out the legion and dismiss that pig into the sea? You see, what if Mark wasn't telling us a nice story about Jesus as much as he was giving us a model for how to be his representative on earth. So think about that this week. And uh, may you go, this is your permission slip, to go chuck a pig, an empire, some dominating force out of somebody's life and into the sea. Grace and peace, my friends. Have a fantastic week, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for stopping by the What If Project podcast today. It was great to have you here, and I really just appreciate your your support. And hey, if this encouraged you at all, if it challenged you, if it pushed you, uh, challenging your perspective and how you understand the Bible, I would just ask that you head over to your podcast uh, listening platform of choice, whether that be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, wherever it is that you're listening to this now, and uh, leave some feedback, leave a rating. Um, Those ratings definitely help because it helps uh, bump the podcast up a little bit in iTunes um, and it gives people also a little bit of a kind of a look as to what to expect when they read what other people are saying about it. So if you could do that for me, that would be fantastic. Also head over to the Facebook page and um, you can go to Facebook, type in What If Project, the page will pop up, give it a like, feel free to join in whatever kind of discussion may be going on there and also keep an eye out. Uh, for the upcoming online small group. Right now, we're in the middle of one for Mark. Uh, There will be coming another one later on, probably very early in the new year. So if you'd like to sign up for that, um, all of the things will be up, pointing you in the right direction, and it would be great to see you there. So again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.